We're winding down fast now, aren't we? You know, uh, in, in many ways, uh, a Bible school can be compared to the situation as we have it in the world today, as we are obviously drawing very near the end of the sixth 1,000-year period, or the time when we certainly expect the second coming of Christ to occur. We don't have a great deal of time in either case, so it behooves us, I believe, to make the most of it. Of course, we have uh, been considering the thought from the beginning that the uh, time for the second coming of Christ is very near. Uh, And in many, many ways, many things that we have looked at since we've uh, been discussing the comparison between uh, our days and the days immediately preceding the flood, and the world conditions in general definitely indicate that the coming of Christ is very close. Now, yesterday we considered the week of creation as a type of the... uh, grand plan of God of 7,000 years for the earth and mankind upon it. Six days of working things out and preparing in a day of rest. We find this is definitely uh, held out to us in the scripture in this connection. And I, I guess I thought this was pretty artistic. I put it up again today. But <laughs> uh, this is, uh, of course, the... Uh, the time that uh, that we have, beginning with, uh, if we take the Anal Mundi uh, method of reckoning time, we see it a little more clearly, beginning at zero over at creation and 4,000 at the uh, birth of Christ, and uh, on to the end for 7,000 years to here. But of course, uh, where we really are is almost at the end of the sixth day here. Uh, in the development of all of this. So this would indicate to us now that we are within 18 years of the end of the sixth day, uh, considering each of these days to be a period of 1,000 years, which, of course, is in keeping with uh, the scriptural precept. One day is with the Lord is a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years one day. Well, now, as we consider... Uh, the other time periods, uh, it has to be within the context of this. And we can also use this, uh, what we have here, as a kind of prophetic calendar so that we can place uh, any particular period in history when we find out when it happened, we can place it on this prophetic calendar so that we know Uh, where we are, and this is true of our day and time. Now, if we wanted to go to each one of these uh, uh, lines here, each one of them represents a thousand years, if we have to find something that uh, happened at the end of the first thousand years, I suppose we could say that was about the time of the death of Adam, because uh, he lived, what was it, 939 years? So that would put him about 1,000. 2,000 would be the time of Abraham. The flood was just about 400 years before that, about 1,600. 
uh, a.m. <clears throat> we come down to the uh, 3,000 uh, David and 4,000 the birth of Christ. We come down to 5,000, that was the rise of the Turkish or Ottoman Empire. And uh, we come to 6,000, that's practically the days in which we now live. And uh, uh, to again emphasize the fact that the, at the end of this day that we're in now, here at this point, would, uh, we would certainly, at the end of that, uh, or even a little before it ends, we would certainly expect Christ to be in the earth. However, we always want to call your attention to this fact that uh, if it doesn't turn out the way we wanted, if, if we should, our life should be spared and we roll up uh, the year 2000 and Christ has not come yet, then uh, don't uh, feel that, well, the whole thing is, uh, is off, we're, we're wrong about the whole thing, because we, we are human, we can err in our calculations, and our, the whole uh, method of computing time could be off. Um, more than we even know, because this is a divinely organized uh, uh, time system that we have, the solar and lunar uh, methods of reckoning time, and we work with these, and we may be making mistakes, but uh, the, all the indications are, when we look in, uh, at the world today, that uh, certainly Christ would be here by that time. We, we would certainly expect that. But let's don't say and, and don't uh, uh, ever uh, feel that if he doesn't come within a certain time frame as uh, established by the way we compute these time periods, that the whole thing is in error and uh, there's nothing to any of it. Don't, don't ever uh, let that get to be uh, a feeling for you. We'll, uh, the Lord willing, we'll be working with some more of those in just a minute. Uh, as we have uh, indicated, we have uh, considered a number of uh, things relative to the prophetic picture as it is presented in God's Word to us, and everything that we have considered would indicate that the coming of Christ is near at hand. But now we would also like to check and uh, double-check as much as we can about this. So let us look further at some of the time periods that we have, that we have been given. Now, uh, as, <clears throat> as we have emphasized uh, many times, we cannot by any means set a particular date and say that's the year or that's the time in which Christ is going to appear, because Christ said, no man knoweth the day nor the hour. So we, we cannot... <clears throat> Uh, uh, set a particular time and say that's when you can expect, expect Christ to come. However, these things should give us, and I think they do give us, some indication of the particular period we're in, the particular era in which we are living, and to confirm uh, what we see about us when we, we recognize from world conditions and everything else that we see that the coming of Christ is close. So the more we can confirm that, <clears throat> and the more evidence we can have, uh, the more this should serve to stimulate us spiritually. 
and to help us to truly be up and doing and watching, because Christ said that uh, his coming would be in an hour when you think not. Now, this would indicate that possibly even uh, the situation may be such that even the household may think, well, uh, it's going to be a while yet. Uh, something could very well happen to throw off our uh, what we are expecting to happen, and we might decide, well, there's more time than we had thought. And uh, if that should be the case, uh, it might very well be an indication of the almost imminent or immediate return of Christ. Now, we started out <clears throat> with our second uh, class with the kingdom of Israel or the kingdom of God in the, in the past. The, uh, the natural seed of Abraham established in the land of promise, and they reached the, the zenith of their power during the time of David and Solomon. Now, to this uh, uh, nation had been given the oracles of God in the form of the Mosaic Law. Now, as we also indicated at that time, the Mosaic Law within itself was not designed to give eternal life, but rather it was to uh, cause them to be blessed in basket and in store with long life in the land. However, this kind of prosperity that was promised through the law was definitely contingent upon their keeping that law, their obedience to the law. And they were told that if they did not obey God as his requirements uh, were presented through the law of Moses, that they would suffer very severe punishment and persecution because of it even including dispersion from the promised land. However, in all of this, and, and there's a great deal now said about that, and they were told and they were warned many times that if they were not obedient to God, they would suffer the consequences. However, in all of this, never, never, never was it indicated that they would be totally destroyed as a people. Never was this indicated, but rather that there would be a period of uh, dispersion, of persecution, of punishment that would come upon them with severe consequences, but ultimately, uh, in all of it, ultimately they would be brought back to the promised land, to the land of their fathers, and again established there under the rulership of the Messiah as a kingdom again. Now, this was the thing that was held out to them in this regard. Now, uh, as we have said, the, uh, this kingdom in the past, the kingdom of Israel, or kingdom of God in the past, reached its zenith during the reign of David and Solomon. And now, uh, even during Solomon's time, he departed from serving the Lord as his father David had done, so there was a decline set in, and in the, during the reign of Solomon's son, Rehoboam, the kingdom was divided into the ten tribes and the two tribes. And there was a further uh, state of sin. Sin was growing. It wasn't being uh, uh, eradicated from the people in the nation, but rather it was growing. They were becoming more sinful. 
And as they did, in direct proportion to that, the kingdom was declining as this was coming about. <clears throat> and finally, well, not, not finally, but in, during the time of Moses, there was one specific uh, statement made to, uh, children, uh, to Israel through Moses relative to what would happen if they, God told them that he would punish them for uh, their disobedience if they disobeyed, and if that did not serve to correct them, then there would be a very, that would have a very dire effect upon them. Let's look at the 26th chapter of Leviticus. At the uh, 18th verse. And if ye will not yet for all of this hearken unto me, now he had told them what uh, punishment he would bring upon them to try to correct them, to show them the error of their way if they turned against him and did not obey. But he said, now, all of, if I bring all these things upon you, and you still uh, persist in going your own way, doing your own thing, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. So there was the uh, definite indication that if they persisted in their sin, that it would be, uh, that it would result in a period of punishment that would last seven times. Now, we might say in all of this that uh, this seven times of punishment does not represent anything new and different to what they had been told all along in other ways of what would happen, that they would be dispersed among the nations, that they would be persecuted, they would be hated, but return to their own land. Now, this uh, seven times of punishment fits within the framework of all of that. It doesn't mean now that God's going to change everything that he told them would happen before this, and this was going to be something entirely new, but this is something that has to fit within the framework of everything else that God had told them that would happen to them if they did not obey him. So that from what the other things that we know that God has told them, we know that this would include the subjugation of their land by their enemies, and their being carried away captive and dispersed among all nations. But again, not complete destruction of Israel as a people. Now, the implication here, especially when considered in conjunction with all the other scriptures that we have, is that this punishment that will last for seven times, will then end, and they will be returned to the land of their forefathers, so that there will be a restoration following the seven times of punishment. And it's also important that we recognize that this restoration at the end of the seven times of punishment is related to the second coming of Christ because he is the one who is going to deliver them from their enemies. He's the one that's going to 
supervise the establishment of their of them as a people and a nation in the promised land again. So there's a very close relationship between the end of the seven times of punishment and the second coming of Christ. This is primarily why we are so interested in it. Now there is a principle that must be understood for us to appreciate this uh, time period. And that is we, something we mentioned uh, in our second period also, that uh, when Israel was exalted, that the Gentile nations were abased. And as Israel began to be abased, then the Gentile nations began to be exalted. Now this gets back to, uh, to Brother Ted Fair's uh, teeter-totter theory of uh, one side up and the other down like this. And this is exactly what happens in the case of Israel in relation to the Gentile nations. When Israel was exalted uh, during the zenith of their power, the rule of Solomon, or of David and Solomon, and, and some of the other kings, they were still uh, fairly well up. But as they began to allow sin to come in more and more, and they became more sinful as a nation, as a people, then they began to be, they began to decline. The teeter, their end of the teeter-totter began to go down. And the Gentile side was coming up all of this time. <clears throat> now, another principle that we need to bear in mind is that this teeter-totter doesn't go up and down like this, very quickly like this. It takes it a, a long period of time. And this is very important. The, the time, the era, in which something is occurring is much more important to us than any specific date. And uh, so that the dates don't mean as much as the periods or the eras in which we are in at any given time. <clears throat> uh, Grattan Guinness in... Uh, in uh, working with these uh, time periods, in discussing the, uh, the amount of time required for the decline of Israel, for their side of the teeter-totter to go down, so to speak, he places that at 160 years, and so that there were a lot of events that happened that contributed to the fall of the... Of the uh, Israelitish nation, rather than it's uh, some major event occurring, and while they were up here like this, and suddenly in one day's time or one year's time, they go to the bottom. Uh, it didn't happen that way. Now, yesterday also we considered the uh, amount of time involved in seven times. Now that's what we, we need to know now. If Israel was going to be uh, punished and persecuted for a period of seven times, we want to know how long that was. That this was, uh, that it would, how much time this would involve. And we found out in considering the time times and a half a time or dividing of time, that one time was 360 years, didn't we? 
360. Now, seven times, seven times 360 would be uh, 2,520 years. Now, that's where we get that term. Our second, the, the title of our second lesson was 2,520 years of fulfilled prophecy. Now, that's where that comes from. And by the way, we might say in this 26th chapter of Leviticus, this uh, threat, if we might uh, refer to it as that, when God told them they would be punished seven times, that uh, appears in this chapter four times. Now, this is how important this was in the eyes of God. It appeared there four times. Well, now, we might uh, uh, draw another timeline across here. Whoops. Can't draw a straight line. I guess uh, maybe it will illustrate the point, though. And this would be... Uh, 2,520 years uh, involved in this. Now, there's been a lot of work done in this over the years by students of prophecy. Uh, actually, the basis for most of it was uh, has been found in the works, the writings of uh, Dr. Grattan Guinness. But some of the people who have done a lot of work in this near our time uh, is, uh, there's three I, that come to mind, Brother James Laird and Brother Ralph Kerwin, and more recently, Brother Ted Fair. They've all done quite a lot of work in, uh, in uh, expounding this, uh, the, what, the lesson that we can learn from this seven, uh, period of seven times of punishment of Israel. Now, uh, as we have indicated, Grattan Guinness emphasized uh, a great, uh, to quite an extent, the long period of time in this decline. And in looking at that now, in looking at that period of decline, he found a number of events that contributed to the decline and ultimate fall of Israel. As we uh, said, it isn't that uh, in just a, a matter of uh, uh, a short time, something, some uh, major event occurred in this, and they were uh, destroyed and scattered. It uh, developed over a long, extended period of time. Now, he also, in uh, considering this, he noticed that if he looked at an event that occurred as near the beginning of this period of decline, and then he moved down 2,520 years from that period of time, he found a, uh, another event happening, a comparative event happening 2,520 years later, indicating the decline of the Gentile power. So that actually, as he visualized it, there were any number of periods of 2,520 years, all of which uh, contributed to the overall picture of the decline first of Israel and the uh, exaltation of the Gentiles, and at the other end, to begin to notice the rise of the Jewish power, or indicate the Jewish power would rise, and the Gentile power was on the decline. There are a number of those. 
And another interesting thing that he found was that if he uh, picked out a specific, oh, and we might say now uh, in, about these various events that he uh, could uh, look at and see that was contributing to the decline of Israel and compare it to uh, some event that happened in 2,520 years later indicating the decline of the Gentile powers, that if he took uh, the, the further from the actual fall or the earliest ones in the period of decline were the less significant. And as they approached the time of the outright fall of Israel, these events became more significant and more important in the decline and more important for our consideration. Now, also another thing that he noticed in all of this was that if he moved ahead 1,250 years, which is half of the 2,520, that there would be an event there, oftentimes the subject of prophecy, which was of significance and would uh, indicate the continued, the continued power at that time of the Gentiles. Now, that may sound confusing, but I'll illustrate, I'll give you an illustration. Now, uh, when we, when we begin to realize that this uh, line of 2,520 years can be divided into half, 1,250 uh, the first half and 1,250 the second, or 1,220 the second half, 1,260, I'm sorry, 1,260, that we begin to see why the three and a half times uh, appears in Daniel and Revelation and that actually that is the last half of the 2520. And there is another period of 1260 years that represents the first half of this seven times, or 2520 years. So that we have a beginning and an ending and a bisection uh, year in the middle of this 2520 years. And this, this term, bisection, the bisection year, you may have heard, and that comes from Dr. Grattan Guinness's book. Uh, it, pro it may appear in his book, The Approaching End of the Age, but it appears very often in his book, The Light for the Last Days. So now one of the examples that we are, an example we'll give you, and, uh, and there are a lot of them that can be talked about. We'll start with the year of six. 50 B.C. Now this was the uh, year that Manasseh came to the throne in Jerusalem. Manasseh was the son of Zedekiah, and Manasseh was a very wicked king in uh, Judah. And you will find <clears throat> something about his reign discussed in 2 Kings chapter 21. And he introduced all kinds of idolatry and all kinds of wickedness. And what was contributing to the decline and fall of Israel? Wickedness. So when we come to an especially wicked king, that certainly would be an important uh, period, wouldn't it? All right, now if we come down uh, 1260 years from that time, it brings us to the... Uh, years or the era of 606 to 60 or to 610. Uh, is that a familiar date? Have you heard that here this week? 
the decree of good old focus occurred or was issued in that period of time. Now, when we come down another 1,260 years from here, or 2,520 years from here, it brings us to the era of 1866 to 70. Now, that's another familiar date. That was when the Pope lost his temporal power. So now, hopefully, you will be able to see what we've been trying to explain when we talk about uh, a date or an event or a development that occurred near the beginning of the period of decline of the uh, uh, Israelitish nation and uh, coming down to half a uh, halfway point, a bisection, the bisection year, uh, and on down to the end. At each of these, there is important events, and oftentimes, as we've said, the subject of prophecy that occurred, which would indicate to us that there is uh, some validity in this approach to trying to determine the particular era in which we find ourselves. Now, when we talk of the teeter-totter theory, as uh, uh, visualized by Brother Ted Fair, that is really just exactly what God said uh, through Ezekiel to Hezekiah, or Zedekiah, who was the last king to rule in Jerusalem before Israel was overrun and destroyed by the Babylonians. And what God said was, And thou profane, wicked prince of Israel, whose day is come when iniquity shall have an end, this, uh, thus saith the Lord God, Remove the diadem, take off the crown, this shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low, and abase him that is high, I will overturn, overturn, overturn it, and it shall be no more until he comes, whose right it is, and I will give it him. So we have, when, when Zedekiah was uh, conquered by the Babylonians, Jerusalem was conquered, and Zedekiah was killed by uh, Nebuchadnezzar, or rather his sons were killed, and his eyes were put out, and he was taken to Babylon, is what happened to him. And that was the overturning of the kingdom. Now, sometimes we hear, hear it said that the overturn, overturn, overturn it represents three overturnings, and it might, uh, but I'm inclined to think it was used three times to emphasize the fact that the kingdom was overturned. And it would be no more until he comes whose right it is, and I will give it him. So when uh, Judah or Israel, well, Judah was the one really in Jerusalem, when this came about, uh, at that point in time, the uh, real uh, beginning of the uh, of the 2,520 years of punishment had begun. Now we can uh, we can draw another timeline across here, and uh, 2,520 years again. And, and there are a number of these, as we have indicated, that could be uh, discussed. But we have to try to determine which one is the most significant. 
When did this actually begin, when the, the final fall of Judah occurred? A number of these things contributed to the fall, and one of them is the reign of Manasseh, and we've just considered. And down the line, 1,250 years, the decree of, or 1,260 years, the decree of focus, another 1,260 years, the loss of the temporal power of the papacy. But now, that didn't represent the actual fall of Israel. Now, when did that occur? Well, this is very closely keyed to the Gentile ruler who brought about that fall. And in our second lesson, we also indicated that was Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And now, by the way, these seven times can also be referred to as not only as the punishment of Israel, but as the times of the Gentiles. Because in the 21st chapter of Luke, we find Christ saying uh, concerning the fall of uh, Jerusalem to the Romans in 70 AD, he said, of the Jewish people, and they shall let, be led away captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So the times of punishment of Israel, the time when Israel is to be abased, is the time the Gentiles are exalted. That's the times of the Gentiles. So it can be referred to in either way. And it's, in either case, 2,520 years. All right, what date was it we said Nebuchadnezzar dreamed the dream of the image and the, the year in which he ascended the throne of Babylon as the sole ruler after having ruled for a number of years? as co-ruler with his father, was uh, 604, 604 uh, B.C. Now, the, uh, we know that that should end, this time of punishment should end 2,520 years later. So how are we going to arrive at that date? in which this uh, comes to an end. Uh, how are we going to decide what date to put here? Well, we know the, the time that's going to elapse is 2,520 years. And if that started, if that period of time started at zero, of course we'd have it. It would be the year 2,520. But it didn't. It started at 604. So we subtract 604 from 2,520 plus one, and we'll talk about that in, in a moment, brings us to 1917. So the uh, year that we would put here would be 1917. And the bisection year in this uh, 1250 or 1200, 1260 years down from here is 657. Now, uh, I believe without a doubt that we need to recognize that this, the era in which this occurs, is much more important than the date. Although, as I told you, I have seen this date given <coughs> as, <coughs> excuse me, as the time when the Mosque of Omar was constructed on what had been the site of this, the Temple of Solomon in Jerusalem. But in any case, this marks the line of demarcation between the ruling of the Holy Land by the four beasts of Daniel and the uh, ruling of the Holy Land, or the Promised Land, 
by the great apostasy of the East, Islam, first the, uh, by the Sar- Saracens and secondly by the Turks. So this, is the, uh, this period of 2,520 years is divided right down the middle in this way by the rulings of these two powers. <clears throat> now, the year of 1917, was that uh, uh, an, an important year uh, prophetically? Yes, I think we recognize that it was. Now, here we are down the line some 64 years later, and, and Christ hasn't come. He's not here yet. So uh, you might uh, very well say, well, why are you so uh, sold on the, the year of 1917? It didn't bring Christ, and that's what we're really interested in. So why is it so important? Well, a number of, uh, there's a number of reasons. First of all, uh, it is quite close, uh, 1917, when we consider the overall picture of things, is pretty close to the end of this sixth day here. It isn't the end of it. It was 83 years from the end of it. But when we look at a period of 7,000 years, 83 years is a pretty short period of time. So we can say that 1917 is uh, remarkably close to the end of the sixth day or the sixth 1,000-year period. But it's more, it's important in more ways than just that. Uh, first of all, we again recognize that it takes time to develop these things. And we might say that 19 and 17 was the beginning of the development of a number of things. Uh, there are some students of prophecy who considers 1917 as the beginning of Daniel's time of the end. Now, uh, the Lord willing, tomorrow we'll show you more graphically how the time of the end in this concept fits in there. Uh, also, during that time, <coughs> that, <coughs> that year, rather, Turkey was driven out of the promised land. Now, the land had been promised to Israel to be restored there, and uh, students of prophecy, as far back as Dr. Thomas's time and even perhaps further, knew very well that when Christ came, that there would be a colonization of the land by the Jewish people, that they would be there. That could not occur, or it was very difficult. It was extremely difficult for the Jews to colonize the land during the time the Ottomans were there. So when the Ottomans were driven out, that was when the, the desolator was driven out of the land. It then made it possible for the Jews to come back there with the key, within the keeping of prophecy of the prophetic word of God to, be, uh, to colonize the land. That was the year that the uh, Balfour Declaration was issued, November the 2nd, 1917, and this said very briefly that his majesty's government would look with favor upon Palestine becoming a homeland of the Jewish people. So that was made possible by the driving out of that area, area of the Turks, and that occurred in 1917.
So, uh, as we say, it's important for us to recognize that this is the beginning of a very significant period. Now, uh, we said we would talk about the way we computed this, this date from uh, uh, 2520, the period that was to lapse between the 604 and the time that should end, we added one. Now, if uh, any of you remember reading an article and it was in the November 1981 Advocate by, that was, uh, had been uh, compiled from a, a lecture given by Brother James Laird in Hamilton uh, back in the early 40s, about 1941 or two. Alan Laird. Uh, was it, uh, thank you, it was Alan Laird. Uh, I didn't think James sounded right. Alan Laird. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you remember that, you may be totally confused because he said subtract a year uh, to come out because he used all the same figures, all these same figures that I have used, and he came out with 19 and 17, and he subtracted one year uh, in order to do this. And I have added a year. So uh, what's wrong here? Well, he computed it differently from what I did. Instead of uh, subtracting uh, 2,520 from uh, 604, he said, let's not kid around about this. He says, I know the date it began. I know the date it ended. Let's add those two together. And if that comes out 2,520 years, then that gives us what we want to know. So uh, what he did was add uh, 604 plus... 1917 minus 1 is, uh, uh, or rather, 2604. Now, yeah, it gives us 2500, 2520 years. So, what, what's the reason for this? Are we just trying to manipulate this thing to get it to come out the way we want it to? No, what happens? Uh, when you go from B.C. to A.D., you either have to add or subtract one year, depending on whether you're computing by adding or subtracting. If you're subtracting, you add a year. If you're adding, you subtract a year. Now, the reason for that is because from 1 B.C. to 1 A.D. is how many years? One. One. From one... Uh, from uh, one... B.C. to 1 A.D. is one year. So the beginning of the one year B.C. to the, to the end. end. Yeah, but we're not year. we're not saying that. Uh, we we could just we could be. Let's go in the middle. Let's take the middle of the one B.C. and one A.D. That's one year. All right. Now, if you use the method that I used uh, here, you uh, you subtract and you get nothing, so it's no year at all. So you would have to add one year to get what it really is. If you use Brother Laird's approach to this and added, uh, or, or, uh, yeah, added, then you would get one and one is two. Uh, so then you would have to subtract one to give you the amount of time actually that actually lapsed there. So uh, that's why uh, in going from A.D. to B.C., for, uh, B.C. to A.D., you either add or subtract one year, depending upon how you're doing it, if you use the method I used or if you use the method Brother Laird used. But now, again, I might say uh, uh, Grattan Guinness, of course, was writing The Light for the Last Days 
in about 1886. And now that this has happened, now that 1917, uh, these various things happened, they may be important to you or they may not be, but uh, it is the beginning of the end, I think, we, we would recognize in all of this. But he, uh, in, in uh, trying to decide which were, uh, was the most important of all the time periods that he figured, and there were a lot of them if you read his book, that he goes uh, back to the time of the decline of Israel and moves ahead 2,520 years. There, there are a lot of those. So then, oh, when he finally got to the, uh, the, the bottom line was, in effect, he said, let's try to decide which of these is the most important. And he came up with the uh, answer in, in his mind that the uh, uh, 604 to 1917 was the most important one. And, of course, he hadn't seen 1917 yet. It was a good many years. And he didn't know what was going to happen. He said, I'm not going to try to get into that to, to uh, identify the event. But he had this to say. There can be no question that those who live to see this year, 1917, will have reached one of the most important, perhaps the most momentous, of these terminal years of crisis. So he felt that that would represent a very significant year, the year of 1917. Now, uh, as we said, that gets us down to within 83 years of the end of the sixth day. Well, now, tomorrow, I believe we can point out to you that we can, in using that date of 1917, get you much closer to the end of the sixth day in that, than that, in, within seven years, or within eight years, as a matter of fact. And uh, we believe that that's t at least that much or more time Christ will need to get things ready before uh, he actually starts the reign, uh, his millennial reign, at the beginning of the seventh day. So I think uh, I think Henry's going to stop us. <laughs>